Well, it's good to see you guys again in a new day. And one time chance never comes back. Well, uh, while I was in the middle of worship, uh, one thought came in my mind and yearning to tell you, seemingly from our Father, you're not alone. Never. You didn't know the fact that I created you and I consider myself as your father. You didn't know that. But that little part of my heart has never forget you as my child. Because I sent you here. From today and forever, don't forget. You will never be alone. I will be always with you because I'm living God. People don't know, but I'm living, I'm caring, I'm loving God, your Father. Well, it wasn't my telling, I believe. The Holy Spirit gave me this inspiration to convey that to you, into your spirit, deposited in you. So uh, let's pray and let's honor him saying that to you and us. And let's go into the session. Father, thank you very much for telling us this wonderful uh, the awareness that we could have right this moment. Because of your loving heart never quenched, we are here, eager to listen to you, wanting to know who you are, and ex expecting to get to know you more. And we want to widely open our heart to receive the truth that has seated in the backdrop of our life stories but still there as the truth. Let us have that in our hands today so that we can start believing what is the reality in our spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, helping us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, while I was praying and preparing these consecutive sessions, one thought dropped in my mind was the love that you guys prayed about and uh, made a theme for this uh, camp. Also, my heart resonated that, and I captured it, love. And in my imagination, that love comes from our Creator and Father and flow through us, initially me, and getting out to touch the world. The love never stops. Love flows. Wherever the love flows, the life, God-given life, will alive. Because that love is the nutrition for our spirit and soul. So we let's envision His love there, touch me, and come through me. That's the whole picture of the three sessions. So starting with this session, I talk about the love. The next session, 
And this evening, I talk about how that love actually came and touched human heart. And the Sunday session, I will talk about then how could we share that love with the help of Holy Spirit together. Well, I'll try my best. I don't know how it turns out, but uh, let's have a good anticipation from it. Story begin, actually story begun last night. Probably the young man standing in front of you now has come through this process. Getting to know his, his love and allowing him to touch his own heart and sharing it now in Cambodia. So probably in a sense of me sharing my own personal testimony might be the best way, best perspective to capture those meaning of the words. My uh, journey of finding who I am was begun with this question, who am I? I, uh, I deliberately chosen a word, what am I? Because when people having their own question of who they are, they don't usually think who, what, what am I? I have a body, I have our own feelings, and I have all my own uh, the action points and results of my life decision, but what am I as a sum and whole? That's the question I have carried. And this is not my own question. It was carried by one of the very prominent biblical persons, a mind. This scripture came from Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. Story went on like this. The identity question. Moses was born in Hebrew. Back then, Hebrew was enslaved by the Egyptians. And every surrounding circumstances was very oppressive and very abusive and manipulative for every individual in that Hebrew clan. On top of that, the Pharaoh, the, the king of Egypt, ordered to the midwives, whenever you see one little boy born amongst the Hebrew, you need to report that and kill that baby because we don't want to see the Hebrew clan getting bigger anymore. It's too big already and it gains enough power. So that was the social situation back then. But because of uh, the, the Moses' mother had a, quite a good wisdom, so she actually secretly gave a, gave a birth to Moses and hid him for a while. But as baby began to grow and crying harder, and everybody can hear, so she couldn't hide Moses anymore. And she made a basket and she let Moses go into the river of Nile and not knowing what's going to be happening in Moses' life, releasing his most beloved baby, uh, her own, her most beloved baby 
with her own hands, not knowing what's going to be happening. And she, Moses was rescued and brought into, into the, the kingship of Egypt, and he became a prince of Egypt, grown up like Chris and strong. And, well, one day he went out to the field, so one Hebrew worker was abused and mistreated by an Egyptian. With his own anger, he killed the man who abused. Which means, his, in his own identity, Moses, he identified himself as one of the Hebrew, not an Egyptian, even though he was, he was gaining many benefits of being a prince of Egypt. His heart wasn't there. Can you see the picture? This is our reality. We live in somewhere, but our heart isn't there. Wondering around, who am I? Why I feel so empty? Why my heart is not resonating to the outside, which is lovely and beautiful? Everybody says that, but I couldn't pick it up. Why? This is a typical picture of identity crisis. And in some degree, every one of us carry this struggle. Not only Moses. Anyhow, by his own wandering spirit of who he was, he killed Egyptian, trying to affirm himself as a, one of the Hebrew. And next day, he came out to the same field, and he saw two Hebrew fought against and argue each other, and anger came arise again. And tried to vindicate them, tried to interject into that argument, and they just suddenly looked at him. Who are you? Yesterday we saw you kill an Egyptian. Are you considering one of us? No, you're not. Who are you? And Moses realized his behavior done yesterday was already sown by other people. And he killed an Egyptian and it was observed by other Hebrew. And they considered Moses not as part of them. That's why he had to flee away from both people groups. And he thrust himself into the wilderness of Midian, questioning himself, who am I? Who am I? He met Sipporah, he met a lady, and he, he built a family, and he got the first son, son. His name was Gersom, Gersom. And every Hebrew name is very important. It contains the meaning. It contains something serious. The meaning of Gersom, his first son's name is, I'm a stranger. That's the literal meaning of his first son's name, which means he has still carried a confusion of his own identity. Who am I? Eight years in Egypt, in wilderness of media, eight years he lived a life much longer than us, having a question and wonder around, who am I, what am I? He was the, one of the typical 
biblical person carry the identity crisis long time. You know what? When we have an identity crisis, crisis, every tentacles of us, let me tell you, every tentacles, our inner tentacles, always try to wander around to catch a signal of who am I. It, it couldn't go over to other person's side wanting to get to know the other person because I'm not yet settled as who am I. That's why somebody who carries the identity Christ having very difficult time for good relationship because their concerns and worries and their tentacles always stays with them and keep coming back to themselves. Same question. Well, how could I find my value? How could I find my meaning? Why am I here? It's a universal phenomenon. That's why when people come to the church, getting, trying their best to get to know God in relational connection, they always come back to the same question. Who am I? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? But from today, this morning, until tomorrow morning, I'll highly encourage you to stretch your tentacles out, not call back to you, out to get in touch with who really God is. He's there. He's, he's, he's a partner. At least for me, he's my life partner, even, even closer than my, my wife. He's in my spirit. He's my life partner. He can be inside of me in his own spirit. So getting to know him actually is a way to getting to know myself. It couldn't be separable. It always goes together. I shared you yesterday, one realization came to my mind. I'm not alone. God is my father. He loves me. Every life question that I carried up to that point was just dissipated. No need to, no need to be burdensome. Because I start believing those questions will be naturally answered through the journey with the one who sent me here, the one who created me here. That's how I was able to resolve my question. Let's come back to Moses' story. His age, quite later, he went up to a mountainside and he saw a very, very unusual, unusual situation happens. There's a bush burning in a fire, but bush never burnt out. The fire is there. He came close, came clo attempting to come close to that bush, wanting to know what's happening really, and there came uh, the voice. I don't know whether he truly audibly heard his voice or through his spirit, I don't know. But anyhow, that was the beginning point of Moses conversing with God in his spirit and heart. Take your shoes off, Moses. Which means the ground you are standing is holy because I am standing in the middle of that bush. You need to take your shoes off. This is very meaningful. You need to take your shoes off to get to know at least somebody. 
Because if you keep putting yourself in your own shoes, your own bias, your own life experience, you always hover around within your own perspective and trying to understand everything around you. Never possible. If you really want to know someone else besides you, you need to take your, your shoes at least one, if not both. So that you can come out of your own perspective. Open the mind. Coming as who you are, as whole, not being bound by own experiences or the prejudice. Come out. And I want to talk to you. That was the beginning of the conversation Moses had with God together. Probably that was first time for him, for him to encounter that vivid moment of getting engaged in the conversation with God, whom he was told so many years by his mother, by his father, or whatsoever nearby him, told him many stories about God, but he didn't know. He didn't have any personal encountering until that time. That was the moment. I believe many of you had that moment. And you realize that was a very crucial moment of your life. And some of you are having it now in this time, or will have it a few days. But if we really want to know his love and he himself, we need to go through this encountering moment. And the story began like this. Moses, I want, send, I want to send you back to where you came from. Because there is my people still struggling and being agonized by the oppression of Egyptian. I want to save them, rescue them from that land. And Moses said, yes, sir, I'll go. Did he do that? No. We know the story. Moses said like this, no, sir. And his grudgeness and his, his bitterness just tinted into his answer, not in a full strength because he, he's aware of God is speaking to him. No, sir. Like this. And he asked the question, who am I? This is the question, who am I? Which means, God, you chose the wrong person. I was there. I killed a man. Nobody accepted me. I fled away from that land. And now I'm in the wilderness of not knowing who am I and what, what's the meaning of myself. More than 80 years. That's me. How could you think of me having a capacity to come back there to rescue people? I know them, but you mentioned them as yours. Not possible. Well, if Moses kept on putting his feet in his shoes, it totally makes sense. Why? Because his whole life, his entire life from the beginning, a moment, up until that time, facing God, having some bitterness and some resentment, as he looked back, his life was just 
wandering around, not knowing where to go and, where to go and what he has been. In that perspective, what Moses said was totally makes sense. But he didn't understand something deeper. Even before he was born, God was there. God was there to bless Moses and to bless others through him. The full story has never unfolded yet. But he didn't know that. That's the difference between Moses and us and God. The God who has full perspective over our individual life is still there. Our life chance has not gone past all yet. There's more opportunity will come with him together so that everything happened in our past will turn out to be in good because his love is capable of changing every struggles and troublesome stories into the good conclusion. He has that power. We don't have that. We have tried our best to, to make remedy of what we have done wrong, but we found it's not easy unless it's not possible. But here, Moses fortunately brought his heart to him. I'm not capable of caring what you are talking about me. And argued each other. And Moses raised a very, very clever question like this. Well, okay, if I decide to go back to where I came from, most likely those who knew me will ask me a question. Who is your God? Who is he? You know, that question is very clever because many, many counselees who came to myself and my wife asking very similar questions. And this, I need your advice, counselor. This is not my story, my, friend, my friend's story, and blah, blah, blah. You know why, that, why those people carry that question a long time? Is, is, is it because, simply because his or her friend having the question? No, it's their own life question. So turn it into, turn it into a more, uh, more sincere form, it turns out to be like this. God, you were not there when I was kicked off my, my family, sent into the Egyptians' hands. You were not there. You didn't rescue me. When I have an anger and killed one of the Egyptians, I cried deep inside of my heart, who can save me from this anger? I carried it a long time. Couldn't understand that helplessly killing a person. Where were you? I couldn't belong to any group of people. I ran away from them, came into the median wilderness and meeting another family, still carrying the question of who am I? Where were you? 
Not one or two days. My entire life was there. I didn't see any single trace of your existence there. You suddenly appear yourself saying that you go back to where you came from. That's the last thing that I want to do. I ran away from that place as far as I can and came up to here wanting to go further away to find more meaning and destiny. And here you are telling me, come back to that place? How could I trust you and believe you? Probably that was the Moses standpoint. Very, 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 very understandable. Totally makes sense. Out of the question, Moses answered to him with this scripture. Verse 12. Who am I? And God answered, I will be with you. Interesting, isn't it? God didn't answer. God didn't answer who really Moses is. But God answered, I will stand with you. You're not alone. You are connected. Within this connection, you will gradually define yourself in different ways. Because I am the anchor point for your life. And I will stand with you and I will never let you be alone from today. I will go along with you to the place where you came out. Nothing will disconnect you from me. That's the answer. And later part, God gave another, Moses, another answer. I am, he's talking about himself, I am who I am. And flip it, flip it different angle, it also means the same thing. I am who I am, you are who you are. Which means, even though you consider yourself as a failure, or made something wrong, or lived a difficult life, it's okay to be yourself. I know he got so everything we committed and we did something that we didn't like to see. He saw that he was there. And in this moment with Moses, what God said to him was, it's okay to be yourself. What? It's nonsense. Because everything that I have made doesn't seem good. Doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem fulfilling in one person's life. I made lots of, lots of wrong decisions and committed many, many ugly shapes of myself and having some sort of shame or guilt carried on my back a long time. And here you are saying, it's okay to be yourself? And God says, yes, that's what I mean. I am I, you are you. Being yourself is okay. And probably many of us will question, I don't like myself. I don't like my own life. It's too groomy or too depressed. Gotta be changed, different. You saying, 
it's okay to be yourself, doesn't give me any hope, more sense of depression, more sense of sadness. Because throughout the whole life of myself, I anticipate this to see myself as a different person. That's the human trouble. I met so many people, including myself. I discovered this, this yearning and expectation. I live my life today, here and now, but I expect me being different than this. If you are one of them, including me, please hear God again. It's okay to be yourself. This, 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 this proclamation is revolutionary. But we need to embrace that as truth. As long as we want to stay with God together, we have hope. We could find the solution. We could find a way to make our life different. Hear me once again, our life different. But before we want to change our life story in different way, we need to learn one more thing. We need to learn to be ourselves. Can you see the difference? What we want was to change our life story. Our life want to be different. But before we want to make our life in different story, we need to learn to be ourselves. That's the endorsement the Holy Spirit has given me in this morning and conveyed out to you. Only after we allow us to be ourselves, God can walk with us together, step by step, to change our life story. Changing our life story is not imaginary. It's a practical, it should happen in reality. If it should be a story of reality, we need to be in the reality as we are, as God, who God is, meeting together, to company together, not alone, never possible. We failed that already. We knew that. But from today, not alone, but connect together with the God of reality and learning how to be real in this world as who we are. And both party together, connected, beginning another storyline, changing and different. The reason why I chosen the first session of Whole Flowing is, is based on identity crisis because even though so many times we hear God is love, God's love is there, and God's love is like this and that, we can, we can acknowledge that, we can admit that it's true, but we fail to put it in our heart. That has been the practical issue. 
we need to learn to put that truth into our heart. To do that, we need to open up our identity crisis. And getting to know who we are. Now we are in a process of getting to know who we are with the help of Holy Spirit, with the help of God. Well, uh, before I go further, I want to have a little moment of silence so that you can have a moment in your own heart. Is it okay to be myself? Raise that question to God, whom you don't fully know yet. I know I don't know him fully yet. I'm getting to know him. But at least we heard his loving, his caring. And ask the question, very fundamental question. God, if you are there, tell me, is it okay to be myself? And you need to hear that within your own heart, not by somebody else's talk. Okay? I'll give you just two minutes. Father, we are here anticipating to hear what the Holy Spirit can do in our heart. And now we'll give our heart to you in silence. And please, giving us your revelation and your thought into my heart. And answer this question, is it okay to be myself? Take your own time. Father God, thank you so much for telling us in different ways. Thank you so much for your endorsing love and acceptance. We don't fully understand that yet, but we're willing to receive and accept the truth in our heart. We don't know how you can change us, and we don't know how we can live in different ways. But simply, we just accept the truth, and we try to start a new endeavor to find a way to live in a indifferent story by the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I got something more to say. The session has not completed yet. <laughs> There's a one reality now. If we accept who we are as who we are, we are now getting into a trouble. What trouble? Because seemingly what we have done has not been so much acceptable. Then we are, we are to go into the flowing of love of God so that we can be touched by his love 
and we get to know more about who we are and how we can handle the reality within our lifespan. That, that, that story will be gone this evening. So don't miss out this evening session. Very important. But in this morning, I want to tell you one more story which elaborates the love of God in a very, very tangible way. Knowing his love is available is the best step stone that we can step on to jump into the next flow. Without knowing his love is available, we can't go anywhere. We always try to find something but wander around and circling and circling again. So trying my best to make it sure I want to telling a story to you and so that your spirit can be uh, bracketed in his love. Well, there was, there was a man who had two boys, and the younger one was very, very naughty, and he didn't care about anybody else but him. One day he came to his father. Father, gave me the portion that I'm supposed to receive from you. You remember the story, right? When, this, when could a son ask uh, her inheritance from father? Actually, could, don't ask. Naturally, it will come to the son only after the father's death. Right? That's the meaning of inheritance. But here, this, this naughty boy, bad boy, came to his father, give me my portion, which means, in my perspective, you're no longer my father. You are dead. I take my own chance to live my own life, not connected to you. Bye-bye. Only money, which I love, which I desire to use. And very, very surprisingly, with this, in, 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 we can find the, the grace from this father. He just hand the money out to the little one. And he took it away. He went far away land. And we can imagine many different stories. Use up the money for his own goods and benefits. Mostly his pleasurable life story. Not knowing what's going to be really happening afterwards. He used up the entire money. Probably heaps of money he spent. And ended up one day empty pocket. The reality of eating and sleeping in a good house is still there. He became hungry. He couldn't find anywhere but food, but, but, but the pig then. And he saw a pig is trying to eat something. And he jumped into that pig then. And, and the pig... You're not one of us. Where did you come from? Hey. Yeah, it could happen. And by that miserable story, he just suddenly awakened. My father has lots of different slaves. 
if I can be considered as one of them, at least I can survive. That condition might be much better than fighting with pigs for this ugly food. So he, with his dragging feet, he just turned around and coming back home. Some distance in the rugged outfit, smelly, stinky body, and the hair grown, not being well groomed. And the sense of failure was there, and sense of shame and guilt and misery all carried on his shoulder, dragging his feet, and now he's turning the corner around. And far there, his house, old house, is far there, not near yet. There came an old man rushing towards him. An old man rushing towards him, his father. How did his father know the younger one comes back that day? Can you imagine the story? From the moment when his son went away, his son has never left a place from his father's heart. Every part of himself just looking the possible passage one day his younger son coming back from the morning till the end whatever he does his eyes always going that way anticipating to see the lost one will come back one day that's how one person can find that very moment of son turning that corner around approaching to the house. His outlook looks totally different, but father immediately recognized his son is coming back because his son has never left his home, his, his heart, spending time together. Father rushing back to him, and wrap his arm around him. Without him saying a single word, probably the second son did like this. That's what we do. I don't deserve it. I came, here, I came back here in the best expectation, putting me back into one of the slaves. I don't deserve your arms. I don't deserve your warm look. I don't deserve your warm chest. Hence, you stretch your arms, try and wrap me around. No. Is that because the love is not enough? No. It's because our old identity still Becoming like this. And he said, Father, I don't deserve this. Just, just take me in as one of your slaves. No. No. He ordered his slaves to prepare a feast and bring the ring back 
and shoes back and robe back, wash him and clothed him completely back into the right shape as the heir of the family. That's the picture that Bible drew for us to understand our father's embracement. It's not something that we just nagged him, would just pleaded him. It's there. Without any condition attached, it's there. Anytime we open our heart, wanting to gain it back there as our portion, personal portion, it's there. That's why so many of us have found home in church. Because in the church, in this group of people believing in God, we found the same God again, who has well-stretched arms with an unquenchable love burning in his heart, wanting us to gain it back for our own benefit. It's okay. It's okay to take it in. Because without the, without the assurance of having his love in our heart, we can't go anywhere. We needed that. We need to be humble in a sense of receiving his love. There is no other chance. We can't earn it. We can't make it. But we need it because our heart only can be fulfilled by that unconditional love. We need it so that we can live as we are. That much our spirit has been desperate, needing that love back in our heart. So, let's open up another small time of prayer. Father, we need your love, feeling our emptiness. We need it. Without having it, we still should wander around to pick up a signal that, am I okay to be myself? Am I acceptable? Am I somebody important? To quench all those unnecessary questions, give us a sense and assurance of your love is available for every one of us. And we want to begin our new life story from that point. So that the love that you have in your heart to flow into ours and it flow out. Okay, can we all stand on our feet as a sign of us being active? Because receiving Love is, needs some sort of passive attitude because it's, we are not making it. 
We are simply just capturing it and receiving it. But it has to be active. So I call actively passive. Actively passive. With our whole heart, I want to be a recipient of your love that you desire to pour upon me. And I want to receive it. I don't have any other way to live a meaningful life. I need that sense of being loved and cared. So in, in, in that yearning, actively cultivated in your heart, receive his love in a passive way. And I will just pray briefly, and you just spend your time, open your heart, anticipating to see God's love pouring in your heart. Father God, we are here by, the, by your call in different stages, at different places, but having your love within our heart is the only way that we can see our life will be meaningful. We don't know your love, we don't know you yet fully, but one thing we know is that we need to know that we are loved. I am loved. I am accepted. I am okay to be myself. You told us to believe so. And we extend our heart to take that faith actively in our heart and wanting to receive the full endorsements of sense of being loved by your presence. Thank you, Father, for your ministry and for your wonderful, wonderful uh, impartation into our heart.